Thank you, worship team. Genesis chapter 16, and we're actually going to read the chapter. It's not long, but it has a lot to do with what we're, we've, we went through the first part a couple of weeks ago, and now we're going to finish it up. You got it? It's the first book of the Bible, so you don't have to go too far. And it reads like this. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as his wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Abram replied, sounds like a soap opera, huh? Abram replied, look, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. So Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Hagar, Sarah's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was named Beer Lei Roy which means well of the living one who sees me. It can still be found between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. Turn around and said, God sees you. Go ahead and have a seat. This book of Genesis that we've been studying, in this book, we're able to find how God spoke to different people. He spoke face-to-face with Adam and Eve in the garden. He spoke face-to-face with Noah as he gave him instructions about building the ark. And then a couple of weeks ago, we studied how God spoke face-to-face with Abraham when they made a covenant with each other. But now we see that he now speaks face-to-face with a woman, an Egyptian 
She doesn't even love God. She doesn't even know him. And yet God takes notice of a woman, someone she never thought anybody would look at. See, Hagar wasn't an important person. She wasn't wealthy. She wasn't full of faith. In fact, her only claim to fame was that she wound up being the other woman in a marriage. That was her claim to fame. She is the other woman. She is the woman who got stuck in a triangle between a man and a woman who couldn't wait for God's plan to happen. She got stuck in a plan that got messy and got ugly. And Hagar's story is not a pretty one, but there's a lot of lessons that we can learn from her life. And that's why I chose to share on her today. Because the first thing that we can learn is the same thing that Hagar learned. And that is, number one, life is a struggle. How many of you can agree with that? Life is a struggle. See, Hagar had a tough life. There's a lot of you in here that you've had a tough life. I mean, if we were really to sit down with you and listen to all the stuff that you've gone through, some of you have gone through some stuff, but so did she. This young girl was given as a slave to Sarah. When she was a young little girl, she was an Egyptian. She was forced to leave her home forced to leave her culture, forced to leave her family, as she had to go traveling with the whole family that she didn't even know she was a slave. God had promised that Abraham's descendants would be as numberless as the stars. But as the years came by, over and over, 10 years, that's all she could hear about was the promise. But there was no pregnancy. The promise that God was going to give him descendants, but there was no kid. And after all of these years that went by, her master, Sarai, decides to choose her to be a surrogate for her baby. That means she would have to carry a baby and then give it up, and it wasn't hers. And that was a common practice in their day, but it wasn't God's plan for their life. So we can talk a lot about the mistake that Abraham and Sarah made, but this is Hagar's story, and I want to look at her life because her life is real similar to our life. See, Hagar had very little control over what happened to her. She had no say-so. She was a slave. She had nobody there sticking up for her, nobody there telling her, wait a minute, wait a minute, you're not in God's plan. You're doing things all out of whack. Nobody could stick up for her. She was alone. She might have thought that her life was going to get better. Maybe when she conceived this child, yeah, I'm going to be a mom. But instead, everything got worse when she got pregnant because they were waiting 10 long years for Sarah to be pregnant. And then finally she gives up and she says, God's not going to let me have any kids. Forget it. I'm going to let you sleep with my servant girl, Hagar. And according to the law, it was okay. So when Hagar got pregnant, all of a sudden she got proud. She was like, I'm pregnant, you're not. This is my son. And there's just a way that women look. When women want to flaunt something, they know how to flaunt it. 
They don't even have to say anything. They just have to, they just have the look. Guys, you know the look? Okay, well, women know the look too. Only it's a different look from a woman to a woman. It's just a look. And what happened is that when Hagar gave this look and this attitude to Sarah, there was a lot of tension, a lot of tension that started, a lot of conflict. And when she couldn't stand it anymore, the Bible says that she just split. She took off. She left. And she went into the desert. The Bible says the wilderness. The wilderness reminds me of a place where there is nothing there. But somehow, some way, she was met by the angel of the Lord. And I want you to think about her situation. She's away from her family. She's away from her friends. She's alone. She's pregnant. She has no food. She has no home. She has no water. And she's in the desert. How bad off can she be? She didn't have nothing. And she was probably wondering, does anybody even care? If I live or die, does anybody even know where I am? Because, see, she took off. Nobody knew where she was. Here she is in the wilderness and thinking, man, here I am, pregnant, no water, no food, no friends, no family, no home, no parents, nothing. Anybody ever felt like, man, does anybody even care? That's the way Hagar felt. Now, there's a lot of Hagars that I have seen throughout these many years of Christianity. I've seen them wandering around in the desert. I've seen them wandering around wondering, does anybody care? Does anybody really care about me? There's Hagars that are wandering because maybe they made a bad decision. Maybe they made a bad judgment. Maybe they took off like Hagar. They didn't know what to do. Many of them are asking, does God really care about me? And I've met some of those people. Those people don't feel that there's a future for them. But I want to let you know something, that if God could provide a future for a heathen servant like Hagar, how much more will he provide a future for those who love him? He has a plan for you. God is not a respecter of persons because he created you. He provided a future for you. That's why Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to give you hope, plans not for bad, to give you a future. Psalm 139, 16 says, your eyes saw my unformed body. All my days are ordained for me. They were written in your book before one of them came to be. 2 Kings 20, verse 5 says, I heard your prayer and seen your tears. See, Hagar decided that since she was going to have Abraham's child, she didn't have to show respect anymore to her master. And then Sarah wasn't going to put up with Hagar's attitude. So when they complained, Abraham was like, you know what? I don't want to deal with this. You deal with it. She's your girl, not mine. And the Bible says that Sarah mistreated Hagar. And because she was so mistreated, that's why Hagar fled. Now, I don't know if you've ever felt like life is out of control. If your situation seems so hopeless, 
If you feel like no one understands, no one can help, no one even cares, that's why Hagar is in the Bible, to remind us that God sees our struggles. He sees our pain. He hears us. That's why she called him El Roy, the God who sees. He sees our struggles. That's what happened when the angel of the Lord, now, if you do a lot of study with the angel of the Lord, that was Jesus pre-incarnate. He came in the form of an angel. Jesus cared enough. God the Father sent God the Son to meet a heathen servant girl, to meet her out in the middle of a desert. He saw her pain. He saw her loneliness. He saw her desperation. He saw her discouragement. He saw that she felt nobody cared. Nobody wanted her. She felt like, dis like discouraged. And yet Jesus came down and met her right where she was at. The Bible says that he met Hagar near a spring in the desert. And that that spring was on the road to sure. This is what Hagar was. Hagar was homeless. Hagar was hungry. Hagar was broke. Hagar was alone. And Hagar was pregnant. We've had some girls just like that in this situation. Hagar was what you would call a nobody with nothing to offer. And you know the sad part about it is that the very people who should have been a help to her, the people of God, were the ones that kicked her out. The people of God who were the ones to show her Christ's love. The people of God who were supposed to be the ones that say, here, take my bed, take my coat, take my meal, take my cloak. They were the ones that said, you know what? You're out of here. I ain't going to put up with your attitude. But even though the people of God mistreated her, God did not abandon her. God went to her right where she was at. And notice how specific the verse is because the Bible says that God knew exactly where Hagar was. He knew exactly where she was standing. And he also knew that this was the moment to come and minister to her because now she was ready to listen before she had an attitude. And when you got an attitude, you don't listen to nobody. When you have an attitude, you got it all together. When you have an attitude, it's like, you know, back off. And so God did. He let her. But then she ran away, and she had nothing. And sometimes when we get to that place of having nothing, we're like, God, where are you? He goes, okay, now you're ready to listen to me. Now you can hear my voice. And in your darkest moment, when your problems seem so ugly, so twisted, so complicated that you don't think it can be solved, that's when God sees you. God knows exactly where you're at, and he knows how to come to you. See, Hagar didn't expect it. Hagar didn't expect the Lord to show up because she reacted. She gave the name of El Royi, the God who sees me. She didn't even think God saw her. She didn't even think that anybody cared about her. But she gave God the name El Royi, the God who sees, 
The God who sees your heartache, the God who sees your struggles, the God who understands the difficulties, the confusion, the, the discouragements that you're going through. God is there with you at your lowest point. He is El Royi, the God who sees you. See, Jesus found her right by a spring in the desert. And that's exactly what she needed. She needed water. She needed a refreshing. She needed an oasis in the middle of the wilderness. She needed spiritual refreshing. And Jesus, in the form of the angel of the Lord, was real. And he brought her that spiritual and emotional restoration. See, that time of restoration was crucial. It was crucial for her at this point in her life. She was at a crossroads. She had run away. She didn't know where she was going. She was just out there looking, searching. Where do I go? Who do I turn to? Who do I talk to? Where do I eat? What do I drink? She had no direction. She had no plan until Jesus came. And he said, I have come. I see you. I see you. And like Hagar There's going to be a lot of times when we come exhausted. Everything that we've got is all gone. All our strength is gone. All our resources, our friends that failed us, the people of God who are supposed to be right there with us, kicked us to the curb. We ain't got nobody. We can sing that song, nobody knows the troubles I've seen. But like Hagar... These times come to all of us. Every single one of us experiences these times like her. But I'm going to let you know that just like Hagar too, it's a turning point in our life. It's a turning point when we actually get to that well, when we're so exhausted from trying to do it on our own. We're so exhausted from trying to use this thing and that thing and this person and that person. And we come to the well and we're just there. We don't know what we're going to do. And that's where he meets us. That's where he says, okay, I've come to give you a refreshment. I've come to give you a spiritual renewal, a spiritual revival, an emotional strength that you didn't know that you had. Some of us in this room need refreshing. Because some of us are like Hagar. We've become the victims of other people's bad choices. See, Hagar's pregnant. Was it her idea? No, it was Sarah's idea. Sarah had the big idea to use Hagar for a surrogate. And so now Hagar's stuck. She's out in the wilderness. Sarah's back at home with her husband. She's got everything together, but Hagar's out there. She is the victim of somebody else's wrong decision. And that's what life does to us sometimes. Life wounds us by the bad decisions of other people. And then we say, it's not fair. I didn't do anything to deserve this. Why has everything turned on me? What did I do? I didn't do anything. I just did what I was told. See, it's easy to get caught up in the, it's not my fault. I didn't do anything. And we can say it over and over again, but it's, we can get caught up in resentment. We can get caught up in anger. 
We can even get the spirit of hatred if we fail to submit ourselves to God's time of refreshing. He has a time for every single one of us. Jesus can take what was intended to hurt you and turn it around for good. See, life isn't fair. Amen? It's not fair. But we have an advantage over the world because we have a God who sees us. We have a God who knows exactly where we're at. We have a God who knows exactly how we feel. We have a God who's alive to make intercession for us. That's what the Bible says, that he lives to make intercession for us. When you think about Paul and Silas, they had every reason to resent everybody who had unfairly beat them. They had every reason to hate them. You had every reason to want to just say, forget it. Just forget it. I'm over here trying to serve God, and look at what I got. I got nothing but beatings, and I'm in shackles, and I'm in the bottom of the barrel when it comes to prison. I didn't do anything. All I did was preach the gospel. All I did was do something right, and look at what I got for it. But Paul and Silas didn't choose to have a pity party. They chose to have a revival service. They chose to get excited. The Bible says at midnight they were singing revival songs. They were there was a time of refreshing for them. Because I'm going to let you know something. Sometimes God's people fail to give us what we need. See, don't forget that Hagar was living with God's chosen people. These people had done her wrong. They treated her harshly. And sometimes the church people, sometimes the pastors, sometimes the people of God are going to disappoint us. They fail to be there when we need them. Sometimes they're even a part of the problem. But no matter what the problem is, I'm going to let you know something. We are never justified, never justified to have animosity or unforgiveness toward anybody. You cannot go before God and say, it's not my fault. It's not my fault that I'm mad. It's not my fault that I'm angry. It's not my fault that I want revenge. It's not my fault. They did this to me. They did this to me. She did it to me. He did it to me. That's why I am the way I am. And God says, no, you're making a choice to be angry. You're making a choice to be resentful. You're making a choice to be revengeful. You are making a choice. Sometimes the church is not going to be able to give us what we can, what we want. I will guarantee you, you're not going to be able to have every need met in this church. But I know somebody who can meet your need. I know somebody who can meet your need. His name is Jesus. That's his job, is to meet all of your needs. We do the best we can to meet needs, but we're only human. We can only do so much. Don't give up on the church. Don't give up on God's people if we fail you. Because we're going to fail you. That's the alarm to remind you. We're going to fail you. <laughs> That's the alarm that says when somebody hurts you, remember, people are going to fail you. But you don't give up on people. 
You don't give up on the church. There are so many people who are not serving God today because somehow, some way, somebody in the church offended them. Somebody in the church hurt them. Somebody took their seat. Somebody took their parking space. Somebody didn't shake their hand. Somebody didn't say hello. Whatever it is. There are people who have been hurt, and they're no longer a part of the overall church, the family of God, because somebody didn't meet up to their expectation. See, Hagar wasn't just tempted to run. She did run. And we're all tempted to run. When things go wrong, and we feel nobody cares about us, Nobody's called us. I've been homesick for three days and nobody's even called me. I stubbed my toe and I have a big old thing on my toe and nobody's even called to find out how I'm doing. See, Hagar wasn't just tempted. She did it. She's got guts. I tell you, I was, I've been reading about Hagar. This woman had guts. She was an Egyptian. She had no family, no home, no money, no car, no nothing. And she's like, I am out of here. I'll go to the desert. I don't care. She, had, she didn't have too much smarts, but she had guts. <laughs> but it was only when she stopped at the spring that God brought her refreshing. And it's so tempting when times get tough to run away. So tempting to be able to say, you know what, that's the solution. I'm out of here. I have done enough. I have took enough. I have had enough. No more. And then we run. And we're so tempted to run away from our marriages, our families, our jobs, our church, our responsibilities, our friendships. And in the case of Hagar, the angel of the Lord started off with a question. He said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? That's what he asked her. And Hagar had to answer honestly, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. I left. And a lot of people do that. If they don't like their job, they want to quit. If their marriage is difficult, pff, divorce. If your parents are too strict, sneak out of the house. Just run, take off. Drugs, alcohol, gambling, pornography, even working and shopping can all be a means of running away. You may be sitting here, but you're running away. We usually run away because we don't think there's a solution. But God always knows the solution. He knows exactly what will make us better. And he knows exactly what will make things worse. But in Hagar's case, the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. Submit to the one who was so cruel to me. Submit to the one who got me to the point where I didn't want to be around. Submit to the one who just defiantly abused me? Yeah. Submit to that one. Some of you are thinking like, man, why would the angel of the Lord send her back? He would send her back 
Because what he wanted her to do was to submit to him, not to her. When your whole attitude changes, you can submit to anybody. When your outlook changes, you can submit to that husband. Husbands, you can even submit to that wife. Children, you can submit to your parents. You can submit to your boss. You can submit to your leader. You can submit to whoever it is. If you keep it in perspective that you are not submitting to a man or a woman, you're submitting to him. And that's what the angel of the Lord was telling Hagar. Go back. Submit and be obedient. See, God knows exactly what it's going to take to refresh us. It's our flesh that draws us away from God. And as our flesh draws us away from him, we get dry. We get lifeless. We no longer have that joy. That joy to come to church or that joy of being around God's people. You're like, I don't want to be around them people. I'd just rather flip on the, the dummy tube and just watch and just be by myself. So much easier. See, the prodigal son, prodigal son thought that his fleshly lusts would leave him satisfied and fat. But it only left him in a pig pen in the land of famine. The farther we get from the rivers of living water, the drier our Christian life and experiences become. We need the refreshing of Jesus. We don't need the vacation because you're going to take all that stuff with you on vacation. You don't need a raise. You don't need a rich relative to give you an inheritance. Some of you are going, yeah, I do. I really do. <laughs> but in reality, that may help, but that's not what you need. What you need is a refreshing that only God can give you. See, pride had become a major obstacle for Hagar. And that pride is what made her life miserable. Hagar had every right, every right to feel violated, every right to feel that she was treated wrongly, every right to be angry. But Jesus gave her another principle to use in her defense, and that principle was submission. That's what he gave her to use. And until God can break through our pride, until God can break through that calloused heart, we're never going to know the refreshing of Jesus Christ in our life. Hagar was so surprised that God would get involved in her life that she said, you are the God that sees me. You know me. You know how I feel. You know what I'm going through. You know what I'm experiencing. You know me. And that's why the place got named Bir Lei Roi, which means well of the one who sees me. The angel of the Lord gave her another reminder that God was always watching over her. He told her to name her son Ishmael. The word Ishmael means God hears. So not only is he a God that sees, but he's a God that hears. He hears those tears. He hears those mother's cries of your children. He hears those spouses' cries for your marriage. He hears the parents' cries, the children's cries for their parents. 
His refreshing, God's refreshing, leaves us saying, I know God sees me. I know God hears me. His refreshing makes him real to us. His refreshing restores our courage. You know, I saw a movie the other day, and I, and I stopped, and I, I wrote it down. It was in a movie, and I'm always listening for things that can minister to me. And it said, crisis produces courage. And so many times we run from crisis. But God wants to give us courage. See, Hagar was given the strength and courage not to run, not to keep going, going down that road to sure, but she had to go back and face her problems head on. That's what the Lord wanted to do for her life. He wanted to tell her, you can do this. You go in the name of the Lord. You go with an attitude of submission. You go and do what I have called you to do. And you can do this. See, Jesus refreshes us, not so that he can take us out from our problem, but so he can empower us so that we can have victory in our need. So my question to you today is, do you need that time of refreshing in your life? It doesn't matter how tangled, how messed up your life is. God sees you. He knows that next step. When you face difficulties in your life, when you feel that you've been treated wrongfully, when you feel like it's not my fault and everything seems to be coming against you, you are still under the watchful eye of El Royi, the God who sees. No matter how bad, how difficult, how ugly, how hopeless, remember, God sees you. He'll show you what to do, step by step by step. Stand with me tonight. <clears throat> the God who sees and the God who hears. And as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want you to think about your situation tonight. Some of you may be thinking, nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody even understands what battles I've had to deal with. Maybe you're like Hagar, and you've run because maybe you were mistreated. Maybe you were forgotten. Maybe somebody wrongfully hurt you. But the Lord is telling you tonight, you got to go back. And you got to submit to him. I don't know what God is doing in your life. I don't know if you're a Hagar and you're out in the wilderness today. But God sees you. God hears you. He knows you. He wants to give you a time of refreshing tonight. A time where you can come and be reminded He's got it all under control. He wants to give you that courage and that strength that you need to make it through. And if you need that time of refreshing, and maybe you want to just lay out here all of that hurt or anger or unforgiveness for the rights that you feel have been violated. Maybe somebody's hurt you and they haven't asked for your forgiveness.
You got to let it go. You got to let it go. And tonight, I'm going to open up the altars for a time of refreshing for you to come and let God do what he wants to do in your life. You are your faithful to your people. You have the power to provide. You will. You'll come again in glory. In Jesus, you you alone. Lord, you 